Namaste, it's Sahara Rose, and welcome back to the Highest Self Podcast, a place to discuss what makes you your soul's highest involvement. If it's your first time listening, welcome. This is the perfect conversation for you to be a part of. And if you're here all the time, trust me, this is going to go down as a Highest Self Podcast favorite because we talk about all the spiritual topics. I mean, I was trying to fit them all in that title and I couldn't even get to all of them. So this conversation is juicy. So before we get into it, I want to share that I have been majorly up-leveling in my life, like up-leveling the way that I spend my time, friendships, habits, like all these little things. And I've been finding a lot of people around me too have also been up-leveling. So maybe you had a blowout with your friend and it just kind of showed you guys weren't in alignment or you just had this feeling that the friendship served its time and it's time for you to move on. Or maybe that's happened in your romantic relationship or in your career, like holding on to your old pair of shoes for too long that you're just ready to release. So if you're feeling that right now, I just want to acknowledge you. I see you. I feel you. And I know sometimes it's really hard to outgrow people, places, careers, stages of our lives. And it really does have to do with certain soul contracts that we have. I believe that we all have contracts with certain people for a set amount of time to learn a certain lesson. And once that lesson is learned, it almost becomes more and more painful to remain in relationship with them because it's your soul guiding you to what's next. The same thing happens with your career. Maybe you were supposed to have a certain career or project you are working on for a certain period of time, and then it's getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And you know, it's time for you to move on for the next phase of your journey. And that doesn't mean what you did was wrong or a waste of time. It's just that you've outgrown it now. The soul contract is complete and it's time for you to move on. I know I've experienced that with, you know, everything in life. It's always change. It's always seasons and evolution. And our ego really wants to hold on to something and have it be our forever thing. And it's just not the way that anything in in nature works. Nature is always blossoming and always dying. It's, It's a simultaneous resurrection. And if we didn't have that, if everything were forever, I mean, it simply couldn't exist. We couldn't have a flower that was always in peak bloom because, well, when would it blossom? So if you're letting go of something, if it is the time of a release, I just want to send you a lot of love because I know how hard it is to sometimes acknowledge that and to move on to what's next. And, and sometimes it's not a complete goodbye. It's just an up-leveling. You know, maybe it's within yourself, up-leveling how you spend your morning routines or how you interact or communicate with people or, you know, what you do on the weekends or whatever else. It's just We're constantly up-leveling and that's what allows us to continue to refine and refine our time so our inner worlds and outer worlds can be more aligned. And that's really what living your dharma is all about, the dharma embodiment stage that I speak about in my book, Discover Your Dharma. If you're not familiar with my book, I share all about living your soul's purpose. So you can find that in the show notes or on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's called Discover Your Dharma. But I really share about how that stage five is where you are being you full time and there is no separation between the inner and the outer you. So maybe right now you're just letting go of that final thing that will help you really sit into that embodied state. So I'm really excited for today's conversation because it is just juicy. It is esoteric. It is grounded. It is 
very multidimensional. And I love stepping into these conversations, which by the way, every single person I interview on the podcast is like either my friend or a teacher of mine. So no one is a random person on here. And Nikki is a friend of mine and someone that I've been learning from. And she's just such an incredible soul. So I was like, let's just see where spirit takes us in this conversation. And boy, did she deliver. So we speak a lot about the spiritual growth journey, what to do if you feel like you're growing and your partner's not, when is it time to release that relationship? How actually being in our vibrational space can allow your partner to step more fully into their spiritual path. We dive into soul contracts, remembering past lives, connecting with spirit guides, deities, and also above that, really connecting with your highest self and how sometimes we can get caught up into, well, is it my ancestor or my spirit guide or who am I connecting to? And, and really it's all an expression of your highest self. So again, if you're a highest self podcast regular or a newbie to it, you are going to adore this episode. I'm also so excited because Nikki will be teaching live on the Rose Gold Goddesses retreat. So Rose Gold Goddesses is my divine feminine mystery school where every single month we really dive into a new spiritual topic topic, whether it is womb wisdom, joy, intuition, expression. So Nikki will be teaching in our in-person retreat, which is only available for members. So if you're not a member yet, head over to rosegoldgoddesses.com to join the waitlist. And she'll be teaching a goddess circle all about opening up your third eye for the Rose Gold Goddess community. So again, head over to the link in bio to join. Nikki Novo is an incredible intuitive channel, psychic medium. She truly, truly has a gift and is so tapped in. I interact with tons of people all the time. And sometimes, you know, you go to psychics, you go to intuitives, and it's just not really hitting home. But with Nikki, it always has. And she truly has such a gift for making this wisdom really accessible for people. So I'm so excited for you to learn from her in this conversation and also to allow the remembrances in your own intuition to spark because sometimes it just takes someone to say something a certain way at a certain time for you to have that remembrance of your deeper soul calling. So without further ado, let's welcome Nikki Novo to the High Self Podcast. And before we get started, if you are interested in actually having a career helping others with their spiritual growth, aligning with their soul's purpose, incorporating tools like breath work and meditation to help people become their most abundant selves. Well, if you are interested in this opportunity, then I invite you to join me and Dharma Coaching Institute. This is my accredited school where you will become trained in just six months to become a certified spiritual life coach as well as a soul purpose coach. We teach you every Everything you need to know from how to coach to how to sign clients and many, many different Dharma frameworks that you can use, such as the Dharma discovery method and archetypes and so much more. So you'll actually know step-by-step step what to coach people on, what practices to use, what frameworks for them to have the most incredible transformations. And we spend the last two months of the program teaching you everything you need to know on the business front. So if you're interested in learning more, head over to Dharma coachinginstitute.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A coachinginstitute.com. And you'll be able to learn more information and join our wait list for when doors open back up this March. I am so excited to invite you inside. We've had such incredible success stories from our now two rounds of over 800 coaches that have trained with us. And I'm so excited to welcome you in. Again, head over to dharmacoachinginstitute.com to join the wait list and learn more. 
Welcome, Nikki, to the Highest Self Podcast. It's so great to have you here. Oh my gosh. I'm just excited to like take time out of my workday to like talk to my friend, right? Like that's what I'm just excited to be here with you. Uh, and the first question I'd love to ask you is what makes you your highest self? So for me, my highest self is most associated with my heart. And I just feel like when I'm in my heart, in the balanced heart, because I could, I definitely have like an, like an overbalanced heart, an outbalanced heart. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like sometimes it's a little too open. So I'm always playing with that, but definitely like when I'm in my heart, in my intention, that's when I know I'm in alignment. Mm. It's so interesting because it's for my spiritual journey, as I progress, I realize it's all about the heart. Like it really comes down to opening your heart and can you see everything as love and give your empathy and compassion while also giving it to yourself and not letting that, that shadow side of like the super open heart where like everyone's problems become your own and you, there's almost no separation. So I'd love to start there because I think a lot of listeners and myself resonate with being an empath, hypersensitive. And sometimes it's hard because we end up filling up our minds with other people's problems and feeling like we're like responsible to help everyone around ourselves. And of course we do have a Dharma in being of service. How do we find that balance of being of service without trying to fix someone else's life? Yeah, that's such a great question. And you know, and sometimes it really comes from like a place of us having to look at like really what we want to switch, change within ourselves, but we're just trying to do it outside of ourselves. So I actually, I totally had that problem in the beginning. Obviously I was like spreading the good word and I wanted everybody to like be happy. I was even that child growing up really. I just wanted people, I wanted peace and I wanted people to be happy. But I actually, my father's a physician. When I got into this work, he told me something that like has stuck with me forever. And he always says, he's like, Nikki, a patient doesn't, if they don't want to receive medicine, there's nothing you can do. You know, and he was just very much like, and you know, the little sad Nikki inside myself was like, what? But at the same time, I was like, oh, you may have medicine, but you really have to wait for the patient to come to you and be ready to receive the medicine. So it's just always going to work that way better. I find that when you try to support or heal somebody who's not ready, you just end up getting disappointed, which like actually darkens the heart, you know, in many ways. So you need to protect yourself as a healer or, you know, what, you know, whatever you identify with, but you need to like, your heart is the strongest part about you. It is your medicine. So if you're not protecting that, then you're really not doing anything to the world. And protection doesn't mean like, oh, don't let anybody in or whatever. It really is about like, how can I put myself in, pos in positions where I don't get disappointed? How can I put myself in, like, why do I keep putting myself in those, those places that, you know, the little sensitive part of myself gets hurt. So it's like, you have to be a good mother and you have to take care of that, that little inner child that's within and make sure you're not putting her in these positions because she is sensitive because she is a healer. And we want to keep that pure for the people who are meant to work with her. I have like a really big belief. I mean, it's even like my sales tactic. <laughs> like I just like believe that whoever is meant to work with me will find me. I really just like exist that way. Of course we do all sorts of like stuff to let people know that I exist. But at the same time, like I don't want to work with anybody who's not ready and everything is timing too. Sometimes you might plant a seed in somebody, like I'll have a reading with somebody two years ago and I just planted some seeds and they'll show up two years later and they're ready to do the work. So you got to hold the faith in people too. Like if you know that there's something a little off and that you could support them, 
always trust that they're going to wrap around to you when the time is right or to somebody else. Mm. I love that so much. I've had to learn in my own journey. Sometimes you think you're really helping someone and, and you speak your truth and even your truth is a gift. And not everyone needs to hear your truth all the time. It's having that discernment of, are, is this actually going to be helpful for both parties? Or sometimes it's just, you got to let people learn from their mistakes. You got to let people live their karma. And who are we to even think that things should be different for them? All we can know is our own path. And I think it's also a way for us to even like bypass doing our own inner work to be like, well, you need this and you need to fix that. And you guys need to change and you guys have it all twisted rather than just looking at, okay, well, what is my reaction in this? I know with like parents, especially, you know, I've had many conversations with you of like, yeah, like my dad doesn't want to change, but it's like, I've had to just accept that he's going to be who he's going to be. And his decisions brought me to life. So how am I to think that I know better when I'm also part of this mystery of decisions and circumstances that I don't understand? I might not even in my conscious mind agree with, right? I don't agree with like drinking a bunch of soda or being stressed out, but you can't change someone else's life plan. I think that's just such an important lesson for us empaths, intuitives to learn. Yeah. And don't you like see this the most in relationships, like when you're in a romantic relationship and you start waking up to some stuff, right? Like you're like, oh, like I'm upgrading my beliefs and I'm ascending my my energy and all those things. And then of course, the first thing we do is like, we look to the side and we're like, my husband or my partner, like they're not getting anywhere. You know, I, they need to go to this retreat and they need to do this thing and all this stuff. And I mean, I definitely was there. I'm only speaking from experience. And then again, you get really disappointed and it actually like kind of makes you all sorts of things sad and all these things. And it's really, what's so funny is that the energy of intuition or, or like love is like an energy of trust. And I think like we, we like sell these people that are around us like way too short, you know, like even when it comes to partners, like just because you're ascending a certain way or like you're learning and you're, you know, doing your thing in a certain way, doesn't mean that they're going to do it exactly the way you do. But there's so much in just holding that energy. I think you do such a good job of that, Sahara. Like it's, there's so much in you just like holding your power and your energy and existing in it and embodying in it. We're like little plants. Like if I'm planted next to my husband and I'm holding that power, like, guess what? Like most probably like he is going to absorb that power. And, you know, you don't, we don't, I can't predict exactly how the shift is going to happen or how the change is going to happen, but it's just, it's the basics of energy, you know, for the most part, if like, I'm really in that power, I'm really in my heart. I mean, he can't sleep in the bed next to me and not get there at some point. And we just like really, we're not patient, you know, like we want to control everybody else's paths when man, you just like be you and just really show up that way. And, you know, if it's time to go for whatever those relationships are, you'll also know that too. But I had that experience with my husband and I just, it's not like everybody's situation is going to work out that way, but like, don't underestimate you standing in that love and that power and not getting involved with the people around you and believe in them. You know, like I was just talking to a friend of mine that a few weeks ago, she had like a situation with her partner and she's like, that's it. I'm leaving. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to like, let her do that. I'm like, I knew that that's not how it was going to pan because I love 
I was like, I believe in her partner. Like, I know he's going to show up, you know, like he's going to show up, but you know, you got to let her like, I was like, yeah, you know, if you feel like it's time to go, like it's time to go and all this stuff. And, and then sure enough, like a week later, she's like, no, like he showed up, like he said this and that. And I'm like, yeah, man, like sometimes like we, you'd be surprised like what your power plus like unattached believing in somebody, like if you can believe in somebody in a very unattached way, it'll make miracles. Mm, I love that so much. And yeah, when I met Steven, you know, I was 24 years old and I was still really young and really in my hippie phase. And he was 29 and like in this like EDM, like dance music world. And it was like polar opposites. And like, people were even like, how are you guys dating? Cause it was so different. And, you know, and at that time, like his business was going out to these clubs because he manages these different DJs and producers and there's like alcohol there and all this stuff. But just something in me just loved his heart so much. And even though he didn't look spiritual or have a spiritual practice per se, I still felt like he was one of the wisest people I had met just from the way that he embodies his energy. It's like, he didn't read to, need to read a book about it. He just was it in, in, from opening your heart to being generous to all of the things that like so many people need to learn. Now in our almost seven years of relationship, he's burning sage all the time now. <laughs> he's yesterday showed me he's almost in a split because he's been practicing yoga every single day. He has a man bun now. He's like totally spiritual, reads Alan Watts, like his bookshelf is all like David Data and, and Yogananda and like all of these things that it's kind of funny because now I'm like business and like lifting weights and like doing my masculine thing. And he's like, he's like so in his, in his spiritual and embodying his feminine as well. And it's so interesting because it's almost like my soul could feel that he had that within himself that, and I never told him like on, on one of our first dates, he even smoked a cigarette. And I remember seeing that. And I was like, wait, wait, wait my God, man cannot smoke a cigarette, but I'm so grateful that I didn't end the relationship at the time because of that, because now he definitely doesn't smoke. And just from being in my vibration, just like you said, it's like, I mean, even back in the day, people would go visit gurus. They would visit spiritual teachers just to be in their energy. That's what satsang is, to sit in the presence of an enlightened being. Not that I'm the enlightened being, but when you are operating at a higher vibration, it's uncontrollable for people to feel that. Now, there's two options. I think that that person can ascend and grow and learn from you. Like Steven would see like, oh, wow, I always feel really full after my meals, like sickly full. Cause I overeat. He's like, you don't feel that way. I'm like, no, because I stop eating when I'm full. So it's like little things like that. They start to notice that you're doing and then they grow. It could also take the other option, like with my ex that I was spiritually growing and he was spiritually descending. And it was just, there was nothing in common to hold us together. So how can we, I guess, know whether our partners have the capability to spiritually grow versus we're spiritually outgrowing them? Yeah, that's such a great question. I have so many things to say. I'm like, Stephen, we lost you at the man bun, man. Like, that's it. Once you get a man bun, I mean- There's no going it. back. <laughs> When I was I was gone in LA recently and Benny starts sending me videos of being in my little because I have like a little little shed that I work at in and he was like saging and he said he was gonna do readings for people and like look at he like knew all the steps. Oh. So funny. So I, it's on my Instagram. Anyways, so yes, so you were saying basically that you know you can be in that power 
and either somebody's going to like go for the ride with you or they're going to fall away, which I think is a great thing. I mean, we've talked about that before. Like anytime I see somebody having people fall away from them, I'm like, great, like awesome. You know, like that is a sign that you're ascending. Does it now can be very sad? Of course, like nobody wants to outgrow somebody. But if you think about dimming that power down and thinking about like just all the time and the years and the opportunities and like the awarenesses that you're missing just because you're trying to keep like one little human in your life when there could be so many other great people out there that are meant to be with you. So, you know, you do have to have a lot of trust in the awakening process. Like you have, and I know that in the beginning, it's when you're first starting, it's hard to trust what's on the other end when like, when life is kind of falling apart or like people are leaving you because like you're, you know, you're just going down another path. It's a little like, oh my gosh, like I have no idea what's on the other end of this. The first time is really tricky, but you will die and be rebirthed many times as long as you're living this kind of heart-led, soul-led is like what I like to call it, path. So this is going to happen again. You're going to have a death and a rebirth again. And, you know, because you're going up like the ladder in in ascension. So the first time it could be a little tricky, but the, after that, I hope that you gain some trust and be like, you know what? The last time I was kind of in this situation it was super scary, but like, man, my life is so much better now or like so, so much good came out of it. And it is kind of a formula like that death and rebirth. There's a formula to it that like, there's this place where everything falls apart. You can't see what's in front of you, which is when you go see a psychic, usually you can't see what's in front of you, but something's calling you towards it. And we can totally delay that process and not rock towards it. But there's a formula in the sense that as long as you're like following that heart and you're, you know, and you're, you know, doing it obviously like mindfully, but you're trusting like what's ahead, typically like because you're moving up and you're ascending, like it's going to be, I don't want to say a happy ending, but it's going to be something more beautiful or something more appropriate or something that is the right thing for you. And we really have to have a lot of trust in this process. And going just one last thing about that is, when you hold your power in and you like exist in that power, like how you were saying with Steven, yes, there's going to be people who are going to be like, that's amazing. I'm inspired. And there's going to be people that are like, I don't like that. You're intimidating me. And it's the worst with partners. I had the same experience before I met Benny. I was in love with this guy. And like, he helped me like go into my power. And as soon as I got there, he was like, oh, I'm out. You know? So yeah, like you don't know, but many times, sometimes being with somebody like that, kind of, it's like, you can't be upset about that. Similar how you were saying about your dad, because him being like scared of my power was actually that made me go like, well, fuck you. Like I'm going even bigger in my power. So I would not have made like such a shift without such a contrast, you know? So I can't regret it. And I I couldn't have predicted it. I actually kind of knew like when I first started dating the guy, I was like, oh, this is like not going to pan. But I also like needed that because it really elevated me in a way that I just wouldn't have been able to get there without that relationship. Mm, It's so true. We learn from the contrast. And I always tell my parents, I'm like, out of everything you've done, I'm the most grateful for you not believing in me because that's what allowed me to believe in myself. And, you know, sometimes we need that horrible breakup to find our worth or that marriage that didn't work out for the marriage to work out and all of these different lessons that we learn. And I think we also have different soul contracts with people that that person like came into your life to like help you with your power. And then once you were in your power, it was like, they're not needed anymore. They're going to fizzle away and your next soul contract 
opens up. So I'd love to talk a little bit about soul contracts and what do they mean for people who this is a new word for them? And how can we kind of tell when we're like in a soul contract or when a soul contract is expiring? I love soul contracts. It was like yes. kind of <laughs> interests me in this world. I, I read Sacred Contracts mm. by Caroline Miss. I don't know if I'm saying her name right. Yeah, I love her. Yeah. And I remember like being like, what? <laughs> like I couldn't believe this thing. You know, I was raised Catholic. So to hear these different ideas was amazing for me. So the soul contract is basically this concept that all souls have landed on this earth with a bit of a blueprint. Like before you came here, you were like meeting with your, you know, counsel and with some higher guides and maybe even some soulmates. You're like, all right, like, let's map this thing out. Like, this is the general strategy of this lifetime. Like, this is kind of what I'm going to do this lifetime. The tricky thing is, is that when we come to earth, we have the great forgetting, right? So it's like the veil of forgetting. You forget everything, you come here and like those bastards, you know, like you had this, this thing that you're supposed to do, but of course you don't remember any of that. So typically what I have seen like in my work is that when we start getting to a place where we're like asking questions, like, what's my purpose? Like, am I on the right path? Like, those are usually the questions and people feel like that's a crisis moment, which, you know, it could be, but I actually feel that that is the remembering. I think you're so lucky if you actually get to that point, because so many people will live their whole lives, never asking that question. And what'll happen is that they'll go back when they die and they're like, damn it, I knew I came for something, totally forgot about it. So actually to me, there's some sort of, usually these are older souls or like very wise souls that are like, even though we were meant to forget here, something happens that you actually think to ask the question. And that's like the beginning of the remembering. To me, a spiritual journey is the process of remembering, of remembering that contract and little, you know, what's tricky about the contract is that, it's like the yellow brick road, but unfortunately we cannot see what's at the end of the road. All we get is like one brick at the time, which is super frustrating. But again, it's kind of like a hazing too. Like you get a few blocks at first. And then once you're, you know, in the zone and you're trusting and all that stuff, you'll get more and you can start getting to into, into intuition work and you can start to see like longer and longer paths for sure. But in the beginning, yeah, it's like so scary because you only see one, one thing at the same time. So that's kind of like, purpose, all that stuff is like mixed in. Actually, the heart is like the language of the soul. So some things start to happen. I also find that some like ugly things that maybe have happened in your life, quote unquote ugly, actually are, I think that they're like little like chips that exist in us that help us remember. So an example would be, I was diagnosed with arthritis in my knees at three years old. And, you know, for my parents, it was like such a big deal. And, you know, they went through a lot and all this stuff. But when I was like becoming an adult and I was graduating from college and moving to to LA, my parents, you know, like, were like, all right, you're off on your own. Like, you know, you got to take care of your own health, make sure you go to these doctors, like whatever. And I remember getting to LA and being like, oh man, like, are you kidding me? Like I have to take a steroid or like I have to take these anti-inflammatories. Like just something in me was like, there has to be a better way. Like this can't, I can't believe. And, you know, I come from a family of doctors, so I would never question that. But once I was off on my own, I started to question it. And that's when I like, you know, found like green juice and found all these like anti-inflammatory diets. And I was like, oh my gosh. And to me, that was the beginning of even like where I am today. It was really like starting from there. And I honestly feel like my knee, like especially something that came so young at three years old, I really do feel like that there's some things that are part of the contract 
you're like, we're going to give this girl this arthritis thing. It's going to be really weird. It's going to be really random. But at her 18th birthday, like she'll remember, you know, like kind of like those movies you see. And I really do feel that way. Like I feel so grateful for my knee because I would have never gone down the rabbit. I, I, who knows when I would have gone down the rabbit hole. So I do think that there are maybe that, you know, those relationships with those ex-boyfriends are like little things that we write in the contract. Like this is going to go real south. Like these guys, they're soulmates but they always fuck it up. Like, let's write it in, let her hit some sort of rock bottom so that she starts to remember things like that. I have a really big mother wound, right? Like my mom and I, it's been, it's been a hard lifetime together. And some people have asked me like, oh, do you think your mom's like a dark being? And I'm like, no, she is like the lightest being ever. Like she sacrificed so much of like this lifetime to wake me up. Like she never believed in me. Actually, she criticizes the shit out of me, but that's why I have, like, there's nothing in me that's like, okay, if I can get past my mom criticizing me, like, I don't care what other people think of me. I'm so grateful for that. And it's, and to me, I'm like, man, like what a horrible, like what a hard sacrifice to make. Like she's made this lifetime. She's woken up so many of us in our family because of the contrast. So sometimes your contract can be something like that too. It's not all like rainbows and, you know, sprinkles. Your story echoes mine so much with the, with the health crisis waking you up. And I think for a lot of people, that's one of the biggest catalysts because when you don't have health, it's like, you can't think about anything else for myself going through perimenopause and amenorrhea and osteoporosis symptoms when I was 21 is what brought me to Ayurveda, which led to my spiritual journey. So it's, yeah, those things that you sign up for, from, you know, past lives and be curious, like the knee, like stability and support mother wound and like that whole connection there. I mean, there's like a whole journey. I did, um, actually in Miami, I love this, this doctor that he does like trauma release from the body. And I've had like many different like renditions of like the knee has shown me many different things, but like the thing that really, I, I mean, I haven't had a flare up. I would get them when I was pregnant, but that was expected because of like the extra weight and stuff like that. But really it was like, it was actually the right knee, my father working the way he works, like all these of feeling sad for my father because he was with my mother, like all this emotion stuck in the right knee. And when I was able to like release it, it's just never happened. It's funny, Benny, my husband checks it. He always puts his hand on my knee. Like, oh, is it like, how's the, because he can feel it. Like once he puts his hand on, like he'll know where it's at. And I'm like, Benny, I'm like healed, man. Like I released the, my dad's demons from my knees. Like I'm good. And it was almost like something that I acquired in the womb or at a very young age. I was like sad for my father at a very young age mm-hmm. and absorbed the knee. So interesting how different parts of the body. So for those of you who are like, wait, why did she say right side father? It's the right side is the masculine. The left side is the feminine. And then each part of your body represents something different. So the Louise Hay book, you can heal your life has like every single ailment and every single body part and says what it's spiritually connected to. So I highly recommend that for people. There's an app for that. And I like, she has like an app of like, so you can like, you can get really, you can get really good at looking at every like body part. I remember my, one of my best friends was like, I have a migraine. I'm like, let me look it up in the app. And it says that you have to masturbate. And she's like, what are you? Like, she's like, Nikki, you lost me at like your app and masturbation for my headache. Cause she gives you like tips on how you can like heal the. Well, I mean, um, it's true. Migraine, you're really in your head, get in your body, release pleasure. It's so interesting because the body really is communicating with us. I was having like my left hip was flaring out. So like hips, emotions left feminine. So it was like not letting myself be in my feminine, even not getting my period was like 
not feeling safe in my feminine. I had a friend, she had this huge like ovarian cyst in her left ovary. And it was like, because in her relationship, she was in her, in her masculine. It's so funny. Cause recently I went to the dentist. He's like, Oh, you have like gum, like inflammation. I'm like, spiritual meaning of gum inflammation. It's like feeling unsupported. And then I'm like, wait, I also don't really floss. So it could be that. <laughs> yeah. It's the we have to like find a bit of a yeah. you're like, could be flossing. It's yeah. not all. It's a mixture of both. I don't support myself in flossing, but I got a water pick. So excited about that. So I want to talk about now when these wounds show up, I think a big question is how do we know if they're from past lives, this life, how can you kind of tell, oh, this is deeper than this lifetime? Yeah, that's a great question. So in Soul Academy, which is the intuition school I own, we go into like healings in the second half. And actually one of them is like a past life healing. And I get this question all the time because it's like, you may have all these tools, but when, when do you need to use them is like kind of the question. So my, I usually, sometimes if you're working with somebody or you're just feeling it yourself, you may intuitively be like, man, this is this doesn't make any sense from this lifetime. Like maybe you have these like abandonment issues, but there's nothing in your, this current lifetime that has taught you abandonment. Like you have great parents, like you're, you're in a good partnership, like nobody's ever left you. So those are usually signs that, that maybe whatever is been like a chronic challenge doesn't really add up to what like this lifetime has looked like. That's usually one of the reasons. Also, I would say anything chronic. So like like a chronic challenge. So anything like, man, I've tried it all when it comes to money. I've read the books and I've changed jobs and I've done budgets and whatever. I've done all the things that like I'm supposed to do. I've manifested. And some reason like money doesn't feel comfortable for me. That's definitely like, if that's like a complaint, I, that the first thing I would do was go check the past lives. You can also, something I didn't know when I first started practicing was like, you can, so you go to the past life, you find it, you heal it. And, you know, hopefully that gives the person like some relief. And actually what's really interesting about past lives is even I had one girlfriend who like has no big interest in this world. But I was, when I was studying my shaman studies, I asked her like, can I practice on her? She was like going through a divorce and she wouldn't have like want to do the past life with me. Like she didn't want to journey with me into the past life, but I brought her back the information about like her and her ex-husband and it was so healing for her. It was like very much like, like almost like a knowing and a remembering, like just a little info that I was like, oh, you guys were this in a past life and you had this going on and this is why you resent him. And that was like a big release for her. So past lives are interesting where you can obviously learn to go see your own past lives or you can have somebody that knows how to do it and you know kind of tell you the story. Other thing about past lives is you can actually activate like the good stuff from past lives. So let's say Sahara, which I wouldn't doubt this. I don't think we've seen some of your past lives yet, but like, I wouldn't doubt that like you were a queen in like Egypt or something. I don't know. Maybe you were Cleopatra. I have no idea. Sahara, but Everyone was Cleopatra. <laughs> Everyone's like, I remember my past life, Cleopatra. <laughs> One teacher that was like trying to convince me that she was Mary Magdalene. And I'm like, man, I really liked you before you told me you were Mary Magdalene. <laughs> but we can, and, and that's interesting too, because even the soul has fragments, right? So like there may be, tens of millions yeah. of us who have remembrances of Cleopatra and Mary Magdalene because they're universal archetypes. 100%. Exactly. Like they, I remember when I was first studying, I was like, what? But then yes, I understood that like, maybe there's a million Mary Magdalene's existing right now because it's the fractal. Yes. So, but going back to that, we can go into the past life. Like, let's say, let's go into that Mary Magdalene lifetime and maybe 
activate something that is like really missing from this lifetime or, you know, going back to Cleopatra, maybe it's like, man, I've really been trying to find my power. Somebody happens to go into your past lives, finds that you're some sort of, you know, you had a queen lifetime. You can, and then you can activate the energy from that past lifetime to help you embody a little bit more of this lifetime. So there's a lot of cool things with past lives that you can do. Mm, I know this episode is good, but so is this sponsor. So if you're anything like me, you have trouble sometimes easing into your evening routine because you can be so wired with work. And this is why I love Rasa. So they are adaptogen herbal blends for every mood that you desire. I love their Calm, which has creamy notes of dates and vanilla with a hint of cacao, as well as their spicy rose cacao, which really tastes like a hot chocolate with some ginger and rose, as well as their super happy sunshine, which actually supports serotonin and dopamine production in your brain. So if you've been wanting to get more ashwagandha, mycelium, rhodiola, reishi, shatavari, hishi, wu, and all the good stuff into your nutrition without taking tons of supplements, then Rasa is for you. They even have a quiz on their website to find the perfect blend for you. So you can get 20% off your first purchase with code Sahara at wearerasa.com. Again, that's promo code Sahara for 20% off at wearerasa, R-A-S-A.com. And that link is in the show notes. I'm really obsessed with past lives. Like that was one of the biggest things that brought me to my spiritual journey. I remember I was like doing study abroad in like Paris when I was in college. And basically I was like all alone and the place that I was staying at didn't work out. So I was like alone for eight weeks and I wasn't even really spiritual then. Like I practiced yoga and that's it, but I had so much time by myself and no one spoke English. So I would just sit in a cafe and I would just think, and that's when I started to have all these remembrances of different past lives. And I was like writing them down. And I'm like this like girl in Africa with this really big smile who is dancing to the drums. And then this like old, like indigenous, like Guatemalan medicine woman. And all of these different archetypes were cultures and time periods and archetypes that I really resonate with in this lifetime, even today. So it almost like created an embodiment or a personification of these different aspects of myself. So I always think that that's a really good way to start of like, what are time periods that you just feel maybe a sense of nostalgia for? Like some people love the 1920s. It's like almost like they were there. They love ancient Egypt or whatever the thing is, different cultures, different languages. Like, I feel like I was a Latina in my past life. (laughs) You're like, you're like, yes, we invite you into the Cuban party, but because I've always felt such an affinity with Latin culture. And even though I didn't really take Spanish, it it just came to me so easily. Whereas French, which I actually took was so hard for me to learn. And I had a horrible, every time I go to France, I have a horrible experience. I actually think I was a slave in, in France. Like just even the the architecture of there, like that colonial architecture, even in Boston, seeing it, it like gave me the heebie-jeebies because I just knew that I was a slave. So I think we've had so many different past lives. So it's like those unexplainable things that feel like home and even fears. Like for me, I know I died in a car accident because I have this like unexplainable fear of driving. And I've never really been in a bad car accident in this lifetime, but it's like, even every time Steven drives the car, I'm like, make sure you're not texting and driving. Like I'm hyper attuned to that. Whereas I've never felt that way on a plane, you know, and some people for them, a plane is a really big thing. So yeah. What advice do you have for people to help them maybe like remember these aspects of themselves? Yeah. I mean, I think the best thing we could do is like share these stories because like we are definitely all experiencing them. So 
my middle son, Oliver. I named him Oliver because his name came to me like way before I even knew my husband. I just was like, gonna, I like Oliver showed up and I was like, okay, that's like what I'm going to name my first son. And like from zero to three, the guy had a British accent, like no joke, like straight up. People were like, people would ask me, why does he speak like that? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe too much Peppa, Peppa Pig, which is like a I British had an cartoon. Indian accent as a child. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> no joke. Yeah. They, say, they say that a lot of kids like come remembering and Oliver is such a, you know, I'm Cuban. My husband's Cuban. Like my parents were so, they were like, Oliver. I mean, actually we call him Oli because like, God forbid, we He's call like, him like Oliver. Yeah, that's the way he was talking. So there may be like little things like that for you that maybe you, hopefully these stories help you remember that. Also, one thing to look out for is you you may spot past lives the most in people that you meet. So our, for instance, my ex-boyfriend, I'm sure same situation with you, like that was so past life, right? Like, and that's the tricky thing about meeting because anybody you have a past life with, we would consider a soulmate. It's a soul that you've lived other lifetimes with. Unfortunately, like we romanticize the term soulmate, so often, yes, that ex-boyfriend was a soulmate. So then I might be like, well, if I met my soulmate, I should have to do, I should be marrying my soulmate or I should be with them for the rest of my life. And that is the hardest part about past lives with people and feeling like we're supposed to be with them forever. You might have people like that you dated and you loved. It wasn't a bad thing. And it's like sad to not be with them, but you know, you weren't, you're not supposed to be with them. So that's a lot of like, you may be remembering your past lives through the people you see through like exactly how you're saying, like remembering these cultures. I have my best friend. She says that like when that she was like so obsessed with the Titanic growing up that even she made her parents like take her to some Titanic museum. And like, she checked the list of all the people that died to see if her name was there. Like she was convinced that she was on the Titanic. So like things like that, you'd be surprised. Like that is like the beginning of the remembering. So don't like underestimate that. And if you really want to know, then you can, um, it's really just a meditation. There's some meditations online. We teach past lives in the Akashic records. I just feel like you have more control when you go into the Akashic records because you can do like a Brian Weiss meditation where you can, yeah, you can do those, which I definitely started off with that, but whatever wants to show up will show up. Where in the Akashic records, you can be like, I would like to see the lifetime where I first started having challenges with money and that lifetime will come up. So you just have a little bit more control when you go through the Akashic records. Mm. So yeah, like, I mean, you just have to be able to let yourself go into meditation and to journey a little bit and see what you get and just make sure you have like a notebook and pen after you have that experience or a voice note and just voice note yourself or write it so that it really like you end up like it ends up sticking to you. And I definitely, if you have those experiences, I wouldn't share them right away to anybody that maybe doesn't believe because you'll like lose the magic of it and it won't like really stick to you. So like hold on to it, share it with, you can share it with somebody like who totally is like there with you and believes you 100% or just hold on to it for a while until like you feel like you've let it integrate into your being. Mm, so good. Yeah. I have done Dolores Cannon's like quantum hypnosis healing technique a few times. And definitely it, it took me into different lifetimes. Like there was one, you know, really in it, it's like the deepest state of hypnosis, but at the same time you're conscious. So the first time I did it, like I was kind of waiting for something to appear 
So then like for a good hour, I'm just like, I see nothing, you know? And then she's like, we'll start to use your imagination. But I'm like, well, if I'm using my imagination, then aren't I making it up? And I think that's a huge thing with like intuitive work. It's like, where is your imagination coming from? Like your imagination is coming from somewhere and that's your intuition. So once I started to just let myself imagine at the beginning, even though I was like, am I just making this up? Like, what is the point of this? If it's just a story I'm making up, some of the stories were like, these things that were so simple that I really believed that they were past lives because why would I make this up? Like there was one that I was this like peasant in, it looked like somewhere in the Middle East, it was like all desert. I'm like in this hut in rags. And then she's like, take me to the best day of your life. And I could see from very, very far away, the Sphinx, part of the Sphinx going by because they were setting it up. And that was the best day of my whole life. And then she's like, take me to when you died. And I'm like freezing of hypothermia. And I just died of freezing, which in this lifetime, I'm, I'm very sensitive to cold. So that makes sense. There was another one. I was a homeless person drinking on the street. And I just like died drinking and no one cared. So those lives, it's like funny. Cause we're all like, I'm Cleopatra and Mary Magdalene. And it's like, yes. And you were probably a drunk homeless person and a peasant and like all of those things too. But then there were other, other stories that I definitely was just making up. Like one of them, I'm like, I'm this blue alien being, and I'm in this this jungle and these people are coming. And then at the end, I realized I literally just retold avatar. <laughs> it was just my consciousness, but what does that story represent? Like it obviously represented how some part of me feels or one of them, I was like a leprechaun and I was like, people need to leave me alone. I want to drink my soup in peace. And it was like, that's part of me too. So I think that sometimes we get so caught up in like, well, what's my past life? And I need to know when it is this real. And it's like, it doesn't actually really matter. All that matters are the lessons that you're learning from it. 100%. Like, and listen, like we, we, we can't 100%, you know, uh, support, like know for sure. You can definitely like, it's cool to do it with somebody else. Like let somebody guide you. Cause it's in soul Academy. We actually do it as a group. And it's like fascinating to see how 10 women will be like, taking you to your past life so hard. And like, they're all kind of seeing the same thing, which is like, so, so interesting to experience. So like, you know, and especially like, if you're going to die at the end, it's nice to have somebody who can pull you out. I've definitely gotten stuck in some past life visuals before. I'm like freaked out. And then thankfully, like I've had teachers that will pull me out, but yeah, like it doesn't really matter. And that is like definitely where the beginning of intuition comes from. Like we have to be able, I always say like when you're first starting with your intuition and maybe when, you know, when you're thinking of doing past life journeys or things like that, let yourself like be crazy for a little bit. Like let your, like, don't judge yourself for a little bit. Just be like, you know what? I'm going to spend three months studying this and I'm just, I'm going to be super playful, right? Like my youngest who's four right now, you know, we're playing pretend with like a little shark today and he's getting to an age where he knows like what's not pretend and like what is. So we're playing and I'm like, oh no, the shark is like biting me. And he's like, mom, it's just a toy. It's not real. And I'm like, he stops our game every single time to tell me it's not real. And it's like, man, we could have just had like one long game of playing sharky if you wouldn't stop to doubt yourself, right? Like we could have one cool experience, some cool journeys, some cool, you know, reading energy, whatever it is that you're practicing, if you just don't doubt yourself. So it's okay. Afterwards, I can look back and be like, oh, was that sharky story real? You know, we could talk about it. But like, you really have to let yourself just take yourself off the hook, you know? And I know it's hard for some of us who are like really logical and in our minds and stuff like that. But 
I don't know, like there's no police that's going to come and get you if you're telling your past life wrong or anything like that. What's most important is to be around people that support you during that process. It's really nice to have like some sort of community so that it can develop quicker than, you know, being around people or doing it alone and then being doubtful. Mm. Yeah. And I think also too, you know, I've had people say, well, I know in my past life I was a Native American. So like, I need to tell people, but you actually don't, you know, especially when it comes to marginalized groups, like it could come off as offensive to someone to be like, oh, well, I understand your Native American struggles because in my past life I was. So I do think it is important to be mindful of that. And we, I believe have had millions of past lives that are, you know, truly simultaneously happening in this moment, because even time is a figment of our imagination. And we're like parallel. It's like our soul is this huge cloud that particles of the cloud are in many different human experiences at the same time. So it's like, I think it's important for us to also not get so caught up in the like, well, when did this happen? And that couldn't have been my past life because then when did I die? And it's, it's not this linear process. It's not so much of like you die and then you pick one and then you come back. It's more of, yeah, like a simultaneous experience of your soul having parallel realities right now. It's fascinating. And and that's why like, you know, the Akashic Records is basically everything that has and will has past, present, and will happen, right? That's the concept. Like we can, we exist in this one moment where everything is happening, past, present, future, which is so hard. I feel like it's taken me a long time to get there, but from practicing these things, like I've gotten there, I get it now. So even when you're doing any of these practices, what's cool is my suggestion would be before you go in, set the intention that you're open to seeing like whatever you're meant to, um, I always say like, I'm open to seeing something I've never seen before. It's, it's very much like an energy of curiosity and like kind of a childlike, you know, just I'm open to seeing like anything that I've never seen before. And when you do that, it's super cool because you may think you're going into a past life, but you're going into a past life where you were like on another planet or when you have these like really strong rememberings of like these other times and all that stuff, because your brain, if it wants to stay safe, it's like, it's going to give you like the basics, right? It's going to be like, give you the Native American or it's going to give you like an era piece, blah, 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 which it's not that those aren't true, but you'd be surprised like how many things, you know, like how expansive the universe really is and like what you can really see. And definitely we are experiencing different dimensions at the same time. I mean, I think a lot of our great like literary or our movies are such a good example of like people downloading and like channeling this information from different like dimensions, you know? So it's like those quote unquote imaginations, like they came from somewhere. And I think that that's always fascinating when you see the, you're like, oh my gosh, like who is writing these stories? Like this is exactly, you know, what you see in the records or, you know, it's just fascinating. So just be open, like just be, let yourself be curious and keep yourself in a nice community so that you can like get the most out of your practice. Hmm. It's so true because when I did the past life regression, like I saw this alien and I'm like, Oh, I don't like aliens. Like don't come near me. And I actually was able to like, just not experience that life. And then, but then when I landed on the leprechaun, I'm like, leprechaun really? Like, I'm not really drawn to Ireland particularly, but I'm like, let me just go with it because it's just showing me something. And so sometimes it's not like necessarily the thing that you love, but it's, 
your mind is showing it to you for a reason. So just be curious about it. So I'd love to also talk to you about different ways of harnessing our intuition. So a lot of us were making these big decisions in our lives about our purpose, about our relationships. And I think a lot of times we get stuck on like, am I making the right decision or not? How can we make decisions from our intuition and what are different intuitive practices to support us? Yeah. I mean, there's like beginning stages and like pro stages and all that kind of stuff, but I'm going to pro. Yeah. Take us all the way. (laughs) So like the first thing, honestly, you guys is you'd be so, so surprised again, like the intention because so, you know, like a practicing intuitive myself, I used to do, I do these soul readings and it's like any job, not every day is a great day, right? Like, and not every day do I feel, you know, super inspired and super intuitive, but I'm still being paid to do this reading. And it's so funny, like in order to be able to do the intuitive work well, you just need to get past yourself. So like on those days that are really hard, I've had like, you know, hard days with my husband or my kids or something that it's just hard to be able to deliver, but oh, but need to deliver. It's really a process of like eliminating that part of you. So like, yes, you're going to be anxious and fearful. You know, typically if you're even asking a question about my future or whatever, it's because, you know, something you're feeling a little uneasy. So you actually like want to be like, you first have to set the intention that you are a clear vessel. You're like, okay, I'm a clear vessel, like, thank you. A lot of gratitude because the energy of intuition of like that higher vibration is gratitude. It's curiosity. It's trust. So have you ever like picked like a card from a deck of cards and like you get the worst card ever. Right. And it's because you yourself are picking that card from like a really scary place. Like you're afraid and you're just being mirrored back to you. The thing that like your biggest fear. Right. And that's normal. I mean, that's why we're asking these questions, but what we want to do, and we're not asking you to figure out your life before you ask for a prediction. It's just that you have to be like, okay, for just a second, I'm going to put that aside, like anxious Nikki, like she's just going to be put aside, like sad Nikki, whatever. And I'm just, I'm really going to connect. I kind of see it as like, I close my eyes. I see like my crown connecting to source and I go, as you know, I'm connecting as high as I can to source. And I'm just like, thank you so much for this opportunity. Like, it's such a blessing to be able to do this. And that's really me opening my heart. I'm just getting to that place so that I can really. And then I'm saying, may I be a clear vessel for messages? And even if I read for myself, I'll say, may I be a clear vessel for messages for Nikki? Because Nikki is human but there's a soul, which is the part of me that's actually connecting. So I'm actually like almost taking myself out of that physical body and connecting to like my higher self, right? Like my highest self and the highest self is actually what's connecting and allowing like the human Nikki to be human. So even if I'm reading for her, I actually separate the two and I'll speak that way. I'll say like, please allow me to receive these messages um, for Nikki's highest and greatest good. So I'm like setting up the stage really to almost be unhuman at that point, like to not be in any of my human stuff so that I can get the information. Of course, a lot of intuitive work is like metaphors and you're going to use like, you know, your human metaphors and that kind of stuff. But once you set, like, it's like, you're just plugging into the right outlet. That's like the first step. And so many of us miss that. We, we forget the sacredness of connecting and we just like go for it and pull a card or, you know, whatever. And You have to have some sort of, and that doesn't have to be like my little ritual doesn't have to be yours, but have some sort of setup where you're like really moving yourself aside. 
you can also like, if you're feeling like you're not sure if this is like anxious information or fearful information, just present the question to yourself. Like if I wasn't afraid, if I wasn't anxious about this, what would be the highest thought or the highest message I could get? I always recommend having a paper and a pen too, because we want to like bypass the logical mind. So we want those messages, like as we're asking questions, we want them to drop and not be like filtered through the logical mind. So it's like almost like I catch the message and I throw it on the paper before I even understand it, which is a little bit, it's kind of like, you know, it's, um, you do that work, like channel writing. So it's kind of that, but it's almost like, I'm not even going to process what's coming through. I'm going to process it on the paper later because we want to like bypass that. If you don't like paper and pen, you can also do it with voice, which is what people will like call a channel, but it's really just you trying to download messages and say what's coming without doubting it, without interfering. How many times are like, are we closing our eyes and we're, you know, reading something and, and we're like, I mean, I think I see a pink heart and it's like, oh, that's it. Like just say, I saw, a, I saw a pink heart. Like, that's okay. Like you don't need, need to know like even what it is. So definitely it's all like a game of getting out of processing like that information it's also totally a game of focus. And that's the hardest part. There's lots of hacks too. Like if you're trying to download messages, try a few things. You can get some music that has like theta brainwaves in it or binarial beats. Like that will help your mind focus. Because what you're doing is when you're getting messages, what you're doing is you are picking up energy that is unseen. So if you're going into the future, for instance, like I'm seeing a future path, it already exists. It's energetic. It has no form, but I'm reading the energy of the future. So I have to hold my focus to connect to that energy and then translate it is basically what's happening. So that's why in Soul Academy, we actually start off with the chakras because if you can learn to read a little chakra, that's like a little point of focus that you, you know, if you hold your focus, you close your eyes and you're like, okay, I'm going to read the root chakra. Then if you can grab whatever you see in the root chakra, like it's actually teaching your mind to hold focus. And then you can get to the bigger stuff. You can get to future like prediction stuff. You can get to Akashic records, all that stuff. But it is like you're focusing on an energy that you can't see. Everything's energy. And then you're writing down whatever is coming in that moment. And everybody's gonna have a different intuition. Some of you are gonna like hear it. Some of you are gonna feel it. Some of you are gonna know it. So you're gonna get it in different ways. Some of you are gonna actually like feel it completely in your body, which are like more of our empaths and our sensitives. Like you're gonna, again, wanna have to kind of separate it from you, but you just wanna catch the information and put it on a paper. You can dissect it later once it's on the paper. Like, don't worry about that, but try not to be my son interrupting me in the shark game, right? Like don't interrupt that process, just get what you get. And then as you do more of that, you can end up holding your focus for like an hour, which is really cool. And you get like a lot more information. Mm. So it sounds like it really is the, first of all, carving out the time. Like I know I leave my, Oracle cards next to where I make my matcha because I know that's the only way I will be sure to pull them every single day if I'm because I'm like standing there waiting. But then sometimes when you're like having a stressful day or you're you're just not putting in the time, you're like, okay, cards, like what do you have for me? And it's like you're never, I mean, sometimes you do get messages like that, but you're losing the point if you're waiting for the cards to tell you or something outside of you to tell you, it really needs you creating that sacred space that you mentioned of coming to your center, just taking a moment to pause, raising your vibration, asking for guidance. Like 
that's just going to raise your frequency so much that you're going to become in a receptive space to even listen. But if you're like, okay, cards, like, what do you have for me today? Like, you're not even going to listen. Or, you know, when you're stressed out and you pull a card and you're like, I don't like this card. And you pull another one, another one until it's one that you like. And then you're like, well, this doesn't even mean anything. Screw the cards. And, you know, you keep showing up. The same card keeps showing up. Like, I hate you. I don't understand you. You know, like that's the exactly. best. Exactly. You're the same dreams too. So how can we read dreams for intuition? Because I feel like dreams sometimes too are a lot of just like things that we saw that day or like thoughts that we had that day. Like I had all these dreams about like pigs being slaughtered last night. And I think I've just been like thinking about pigs because I went to the pig island and it just made me like think of pigs differently. So is that like my inner guidance telling me like, that's my new cause, like save the pigs or, or how much <laughs> of it is just like things that were in your subconscious that your brain is just like processing. I think we would like other things from you rather than you saving the pigs, Sahara. So hopefully you don't. <laughs> the pigs <No>. need me. <laughs> I hope that. Okay. So dreams, especially if you're not carving out the time during the day, or if you're just like, you know, you're still learning and you're not getting there with like your own intuitive practice, your guides often will show you things. Like if you're starting that connection and they're like, oh, like she's trying to get there. Like we want to show her some things when she's sleeping. So you'll, some of it, there's a mix of things that happen for sure when you're dreaming, but sometimes yes, like your guides are sometimes like showing you pictures and things that are metaphors that you ultimately have to translate the metaphor. Of course, there's the subconscious part too, that like, you know, I see the pigs, I, you know, I just saw them the other day, but actually, like you said, like if you wake up the next morning, you kind of remember that dream and you just journal a little bit about like what does that dream mean to me? Like, how did I feel? What does that dream mean? Like if this dream meant something, so you definitely don't want to take anything at face value. There's always a metaphor, actually intuition. When you're studying intuition, the language of intuition is a metaphor. That's why I always teach. Like, that's why Jesus spoke in parables. Like it's, everything is a, is a metaphor. So the pig thing like would be we would go a little bit and it could be like so unrelated to animals, you know, but it's something that you're understanding and it's almost like an encoded message for you. Then there's other types of dreams like where I remember when I first started this work, my spirit guide would, I asked to see a past life, like before I, I don't know why I just kind of put it out there. I was like, oh, I want to see a past life. I went to sleep and I really remember like my spirit guide, like journeying me into like other lifetimes. So there's where that is like not as metaphorical. It's just that my brain is in the perfect place for me to have those experiences. I don't have them anymore because I, I do them in my waking hours, but like when I couldn't get there yet and I was still learning, I would have these experiences. So I think that there's some experiences, some healings you'll even get, like you'll get, you know, some of you are like really connected to star seeds. Like you might have like star beings come and like give you healings or activations or or kind of like shaman looking guides show up. So there's like healings, there's journeys, and then definitely like these like subconscious like messages that will come through when you're sleeping. So there's different, different ways. Mm, I love that. And can you share a little bit more about the highest self and how it's really our highest self that's always channeling, whether we're working with spirit guides, ancestors, galactic beings, past lives, how our highest self is that conduit between the worlds? Yeah, I love that you are very connected to the highest self. Like even when we practice and play together, like I love that you go all the way up is kind of what I call it. So there's 
different levels of like planes of existence or like uh, you can call them densities, which is like what the law of one calls them, right? And you're going from one, we exist on three, they say, but we're moving into four. And then you can go like all the way up to source, which is seven, right? Yeah. Because that's, it's even like it goes with the chakras too. So the higher self is like basically a piece of source. So that is like the God within you. And as much as like maybe having a spirit guy that's super wise, maybe really cool, or even working with like a, an ascended master, if you're working with like a goddess or the Buddha or whoever it is that you might be working with, those are great too. But actually like the highest self will trump that because it is like the highest self is almost like the future self. It's like what the soul is trying to get to. So it's so interesting. It's almost like the highest self sets your soul off on this. It's like, all right, let's do many, many lifetimes of reincarnation to get right back to zero. So it's almost like a clock. So to me, the higher self is like at the 12. And it's like, all right, we're going to start all, you know, we're going to go one, two, three. And it's really just almost in a way that's how the, the future self is like the beginning, but it's also the end, which is really interesting. So that's why it is the highest version and it is it actually trumps any guide you may be working with. Now, for me, I wasn't ready to meet my highest self when I first started practicing. Like all I was ready for was a spirit guide. I grew up Catholic, so Jesus would show up for me. And like I could only understand that. And it was super helpful for me. Even like as I started to read people, like I would feel the guides. And you'll go to readings, right? That people are like, oh, your spirit guides are saying this, or my spirit guides are saying this. And that's okay. They're working with them, but they do spirit guides exist at a different plane, at a little like a lower plane than your higher self. So there's a limitation to that. Even those of you who like like the law of one, I forget what level he says he's at, like at six or something. And there are some questions that the channelers ask him or it's sorry, the, the collective and Ra will say like, oh, that's like basically above my pay grade, you know? So it's like as much as Ra is like this very wise being, there's like a limitation where the highest self, the concept is, is that, you know, it's like the, the part of source. So, but don't force if you're not connected to the higher self yet, like don't force if you like don't see it or you don't feel like super connected. If what you're experiencing right now is like spirit guides and beings or whatever, that's okay. First of all, I always say like check IDs, like make sure that they are in your highest and greatest good and that they work with the light. Cause you'd be surprised, like you'll connect with something that like is just playing with you. And you know, can, I've seen it many, many times. So just make sure you're checking IDs and just always like take it with a grain of salt because you know, sometimes like there's more, same thing with like past loved ones. Like many of us are guided by our like grandmother who passed or whatever. And you have to remember that like that soul is still in its process. And for all we know, like you are an older soul than your grandmother. So everything with a grain of salt, your grandmother could definitely show up because you're in the middle of cleaning something in the lineage. And, you know, you're going to be the first woman in the lineage to make her own money or something like that. And she's there to support you, but she's not necessarily going to tell you I don't know, like all of the world's like issues, you know, answers to all your worldly issues or whatever. Like she, you know, remember that sometimes these guides have specialties and like, you know, some things might be above their, their pay grade. And the hope is that ultimately, you know, you get to the higher, you get to the higher self, but there's so much wisdom in the spirit guides. Like I, I find them more like as they like offer specialties. And also a really cool thing is that like from being in school with like all these women, like in the academy, it's so cool to see that a lot of your spirit guides are actually you from a past life. So you'll show up and you'll be like, oh man, there's like this kind of shaman, indigenous woman working with me. 
And after time, you'll be like, oh my gosh, like it's actually me. So the spirit guide is just kind of like reflect. So like, they're just like kind of giving a costume or an era to help you almost like see the you in a more like sacred way or a more divine way, even though it's like still you. So I think that that's like a trick of the higher self sometimes. So, and then there's definitely spirit guides that are not you, but so many of our spirit guides are actually us from other lifetimes. Yeah. I so agree with everything you just said. And in my own journey, when I heard about spirit guides, I'm like, I need to find out who my spirit guides are. It like became this like obsession. I would try to do automatic writing and connect and it just never really hit it off for me. Like I, again, felt like I was kind of like making it up. Like where some of my friends are like, I have a spirit guy. He's on my right hand all the time. Like, this is his name. Like he cracks really funny jokes. And then I have this one and I don't know, for whatever reason, I never had that experience. Whereas it was more like the past lives thing, like seeing an archetype, but it was me. And I got very into the goddesses that kind of became my thing of like connecting to these different goddess energies, which I still love. But then I almost like spiritually, like kind of like outgrew or moved past that of like, I don't really need to worship a goddess or, or think about it as like, oh, it's this goddess knows the answer. It's like, I am the goddess. Like we are all the goddess. Like I am every single one of these archetypes. And the only reason why they're goddesses is because as humans, we need a personification of something in order to trust this like universal energy, like the universal energy of abundance and opulence and fertility is Lakshmi personified. So it became less, and I still have my goddess statues all over and I love them, but it became less like originally Rose Gold Goddesses was about goddess archetypes. And now it's more you channeling those abilities that you have within yourself rather than needing a middleman, you know? And, and that's why it's so interesting that I even called this podcast highest self podcast, like back in 2017, when, where I started it, because it was like my intuition kind of knew that it's all you, like you are the spirit guide. You are the ancestor. You are all of it in human form. And you are the God and goddess you've been waiting for. hundred percent. I mean, mic drop, you know, we can just end it here, buddy, but like, yeah, that's exactly, you know, the idea is that unity is the ultimate like place that we're trying to get to. So when we start to understand that, and there's no shame in not understanding that. Like if what Sahara just said does not make sense to you, like that's okay. God knows like it did not make sense to me for a long time. And that's why a lot of these guides were so helpful for me. And that's the concept. Like the goddess wants to kind of upgrade your understanding and the ideas. Like she wants you to graduate from that understanding ultimately. And you can't force it. And when it's time, it's time. But yes, you can still love the goddesses because basically what they're doing is they, they're they a vessel holding a certain kind of energy that going back to the beginning of our conversation, we were saying like, oh, you hang out with your partner or whatever, and maybe they hold a certain energy and we end up absorbing it. So having those goddesses in our lives, they're this very potent essence of something, you know, fertility, whatever it is. And as we get to know them, we get to absorb that energy because they don't have to be in physical form. They're just their energy. That's, that's what you're doing in intuition. You're reading it, you're tapping into it, you're understanding it and you're putting it into your energy. So that's why they're still super helpful, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have certain friends that look at these different deities as teachers that they sit with. So like right now I'm sitting with Vishnu and I'm channeling and learning from that pool of energy or with Saraswati. So I see some people see it that way and other people see it in more of literal. And I think it's just like everyone has their own karma and their own way that they're going to connect to source. So giving yourself that invitation to try different things and see what feels like home frequency for you. I love that. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yay. Well, do you have any final words of advice for someone who's on their spiritual journey? They're wanting to connect deeper and yeah, just like any insights for them as they're stepping into their soul's purpose to know what's right for them. So I just, I have like a big feeling of like, you're doing a great job is like what I want to tell all of you that are listening And, you know, like if we keep, again, knocking ourselves down, doubting ourselves, you know, telling ourselves like, oh, I'm not being productive enough or I'm not getting where I want to go. Like it is actually like stopping us midway to the climb that we're reaching that, you know, that we're destined to go on. So I really just feel like I just want all of you to know that source says you're doing a great job. (laughs) So you really are. And we just like want to stay in that. Like it's okay to you don't have to think you're killing it every day, but it's okay to, to just love yourself through the process so that you're not breaking your progress because it's like every time we stop and it's like an addiction, honestly, like the, even the card, sometimes it's like this addiction to like, be like, Oh, I don't know what's happening. Let me pull a card or whatever. And it's fine that we get that info when we need to, but what it's doing, it's like, it's stopping our progress. So like intuition is not necessarily even going, getting messages all the time. It's also about just trusting your path and like having your, you know, really like trusting in yourself. And if, especially if you're looking for speed, you know, like if you're looking, trying to get to like wherever you want to get to like faster, play a little game with yourself and tell yourself like, okay, for a month, I'm not going to doubt myself. Like I'm not going to interrupt myself on this climb. I'm not going to keep taking, it's like, we're taking a bunch of cigarette breaks. Like when we're trying to go up the mountain, you know, it's like, well, shit, it's going to take like 20 days to get up that mountain. If I keep stopping for a cigarette break or a water break or a cookie break, whatever it may, whatever your break is. And if we can just eliminate that, even if we just eliminated 50%, right? Like it's, we don't have to be perfect by any means. That is actually the connection to the higher self. Like that little prayer that I was explaining before, you know, what I do before readings, like that is like, I'm just plugging into the higher self. So maybe all of us can do that. Maybe we can all challenge ourselves to do that for the next 30 days or say, and see what happens. Like, let's just see if we, if we can eliminate doubt for a little bit, eliminate like self-hatred, eliminate that the pressure and just trust that we're on the path. Maybe we don't know exactly how it's going to pan out, but like, let's give ourselves a little bit of a smoother path. Mm, Thank you so much for your wise words. Well, we're so grateful for you to be here and share your wisdom with us. Where can listeners connect with you even further? Oh, I loved being here with you guys and with you, Sahara. Um, So you can follow me, Nikki Novo on Instagram or my website. That's like my personal stuff. And then if you're interested in like more of the metaphysical and like the going deep dive into studying the practices, we have Soul Academy, which is super fun. We have like three different levels and we learn reading energy and spirit guides and past lives and all the cool stuff. Akashic Records, that that's Soul Academy. That's actually uh, mysoulacademy.org. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your insights again. 
Oh, yes. How juicy good was that conversation with Nikki? I could have gone on for hours. And that is why I love this podcast, because we get to really dive deep into all the spiritual topics that we're thinking about. Maybe you like write a little quote about it on Instagram, but we actually get to dive deep into what it means. And that's really the only way that we're truly going to be able to understand these topics, not at the surface level, but at its core. And of course, this is really just the beginning. So if you're interested in diving deeper, Nikki will be a featured expert guest in Rose Gold Goddesses, my divine feminine mystery school. So join the waitlist at rosegoldgoddesses.com. She's also teaching at her in-person retreat, which we're so excited for. And Nikki has her soul seeker course, which you can get for 10% off with discount code Sahara. So if you head over to the show notes, you'll find those links there, and that will be the perfect next step for you to dive deeper into your spiritual journey. And if you're interested in becoming a certified spiritual life coach or soul purpose coach, then doors are opening back up for Dharma Coaching Institute in March. So this is your opportunity to spend six months diving deep with me all about launching your career as a certified Dharma coach. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so grateful for you to be here. I'll see you guys in the astral realm. Namaste.